everybody, welcome to the show, now in Marginal HD. That's right, if you're listening to this on YouTube or watching it. Uh, hi, it's us. You are seeing us uh, in all our splendor. We figured um, it went over so well last time that we might as well have a gimmick every week. And this week's gimmick is video recording. And you read the title right, we are doing two Q&As in the span of two weeks. So uh, I have the regular panel with me. Uh, Yoris and Lauren wave high this time. Don't even say it. Hey, hey everyone. Nice. And we are going to be indulging in all of your questions once again as selected by my superior taste. Let's get right into it. So, first one. From a strategic standpoint, see the strategic hands? From a strategic standpoint, does it make more sense to own a little land in all four nations, or is it better to focus on one nation because of the in-game distances? Ah, well, excellent question. You know, what's your strategy, Svetlin? No, no, um, you know, all, all things being said... I have 25 said, I... IQ, I don't have a strategy. <laughs> so, so at least we know that Svetlin hasn't really thought this through, but, you know... Well... A lot of room. <laughs> no, but that being said, actually, the, the, the interesting part here is I think it kind of depends on what your strategy is, really. Because um, if you are, let's say, a player, who wants to own a bunch of land close together, which is in the nation you'll be playing in, right? Maybe, you know, to build things that are useful for your guild, right? Things like that. Um, it would make sense to actually own a lot of land that is relatively nearby to, you know, each other, the, the plots, let's say, or the estates, or even the region. Uh, but if you're looking at it more like a sort of real estate investor who's trying to create valuable uh, little areas uh, in different parts of the world, it might actually make a lot of sense to buy chunks in each nation and then try and develop those and bring players on board to play in those areas and basically you know by creating the most attractive hub if you will there uh you can earn pixel token hmm so it's neither or type of deal it's very freeform as far as i understand it yeah i think it kind of goes with uh the territory that a lot of things in ember sword are about what do you really want to do as a player right or in in this case sometimes as a, as a participant in the world or even you know because it's land that you can actually own as a sort of real estate investor if you will <laughs> Investor is a hot button word these past couple of weeks. This is gonna age horribly. Oh yes, yes. Well, I, I don't know if everyone sold their GameStop shares already, but. <laughs> <laughs> right, keeping it uh, on brand with the game. Um, yours, do you have anything to add to that? Of the first question? No, I think it was a great uh, great answer. I mean, uh, Amber Sword is a sandbox game, so you can pretty much do whatever you want. Uh, from the very get-go, you start playing the game, and we make we do our very best to not lock players into any forced uh, playstyle. Cool beans. On to the next one, then. Do factions offer unique buildings? Uh, they do, indeed. So factions are... Each faction has a different biome. So, for example, uh, solar wood is is very green and luscious, and there's uh, lots of beautiful trees and nice plants and so forth. And then uh, Duskron, for example, the best faction. Um, <laughs> biased, for example, uh. <laughs> definitely not biased. Um, <laughs> uh, Duskron, for example, has very like scrappy metal uh, kind of like looking buildings as well as as weapon types and such like that. Mm -hmm. So yes, the, like every biome has its own like unique art style that that is very distinguishable. All right. Yeah, I 
I suppose, you know, and depending on how the question was intended, we might also think of the notion that unique buildings may not be intended visually, mm -hmm. if that's what, you know, maybe this particular uh, viewer was thinking about, uh, then of course, mm. uh, it's something that is still a bit, you know, up in the air, uh, but there might be a few buildings that are actually unique to a nation, much like there is some very particularly high quality resources that happen to be unique to particular nations. But it's not something we've fully decided on yet. Speaking of resources, that's a fantastic segue. How fast will the resource respawn timer be? And will it be affected based on the amount of resources in the world, perhaps? Ah, yes. So it's very early really to talk about uh, resource respawn timers. Um, generally speaking, I mean, we talk a lot about, uh, you know, AI direction and a sort of AI game master and things like that. So you can pretty much assume that anything we do that is to do with resources spawning or becoming available in any one particular way will be based on what's going on in the world and how we can most optimally balance that out. Uh, but to give you an impression right now of what that would be would be far too early because of course mm -hmm. we have to start seeing how players behave in the world uh to really nail that down a bit further but generally dynamic i mean it, it also really depends on how many resources there are right if there's only two resources together then you probably want a really quick re like timer if there's uh, 500 then the timer can be significantly slower so it, it just depends on balancing really yep succinct cool um next one then is great this is somewhat connected to resources almost depending on what the answer is going to be is there going to be a durability feature for all gear in the game and if so how will that work there will be a durability feature if it's going to be for all gear i don't yet know maybe um collectibles like capes and cool things and that have no durability so you're uh Crypto collectibles have no durability of any kind. But the in-game items like a sword uh, does, uh, which means you actually have to repair it. And we actually want to make sure that you can repair it through crafting as well. So you don't necessarily have to go to an NPC to get it fixed, but you can also go to uh, a crafting station and repair it yourself. So that gives more utility to crafting as well. Yeah, it's basically all part of the player economy, right? Both uh, exactly. both repair and crafting, and there's also replacement of items that do end up destroyed, right? And and of course, um, you know, if you, and of course, uh, the reality is that because we have you know this uh, these crypto collectibles that are really the most valuable things in the game, uh, we can also get away with you know the more uh, somewhat more common in-game items uh, being things that you know don't quite last that long in terms of durability so that we can have that healthy in-game economy right it would feel very sucky if uh, that ultimate look you had for your sword suddenly could fall away uh, but if it's just you know your level five sword underneath this beautiful cosmetic uh, that's easier to replace Um, well, if you go to an NPC, it'd be in gold. Um, if you were to repair it yourself, um, most likely resources. Maybe a little bit of gold. Like, 
Yeah. Um, it's important in a, in a game like Ember Sword to have gold sinks where some mm -hmm. gold is taken out of the economy to keep everything in a healthy balance. Because if you only keep adding more and more and more, obviously you create insane inflation and you don't want to right, do that. Yeah. Um, so it, it depends on balance, like everything. So we mentioned cosmetics briefly, and this is a great jumping off point for the next question. Um, can you guys go into detail about how the game is played to earn? Oh yeah, definitely. I mean, uh, it starts off very simply at what we were just talking about, you know, crypto collectibles, right? By playing the game, you can earn unique crypto collectibles, uh, for example, you know, weapon skins and, and capes and pets and all that kind of stuff, right? Uh, and those actually have real life value and you can trade them as, as NFTs on the blockchain. Um, also, if you take it a little deeper, we were just talking about this, you know, are you really getting, you know, a piece in the world to edit it for yourself for fun and to play around in, or are you getting it to build valuable real estate in there? So to some extent, there's also something there where, you know, if you create, let's say, you know, you, you buy an estate and that becomes the home of a guild and, you know, and it becomes really busy and, and it's running well, then there's lots of pixel tokens being mm -hmm. generated off of that, which again, in turn, you might be able to turn into real money. So, you know, that's really where the play to earn comes from. Uh, it's all about not, let's say, locking whatever you own in the game down in the game mm -hmm. and making it possible for you to trade that outside of the game without uh, immediately incurring the wrath of us, the developers, <laughs> and the mighty ban hammer yeah. chasing after you. And it sounds like there's many avenues to this. Like, there's not a single way to approach play to earn in number Oh, no, no. Oh, definitely you could find many different ways you could even approach play to earn as uh, just a trading thing where you try to you know create favorable trades of nfts and in doing so increase your value right like the, the guy who starts with a paperclip and 14 trades <laughs> later has a house right <laughs> almost sounds like a yakuza side quest oh man <laughs> Don't get i'm sure we'll have that. a special achievement for that one <laughs> And Sega will immediately sue us, just watch. <laughs> Master of the paperclip. <laughs> <laughs> we just give you the paperclip and then we track every trade across the blockchain uh, until you reach something that is let's, like at least the value of an entire estate. <laughs> right. I imagine the, the one boomer who is going to be playing our game will see that quest and will be overjoyed. Fine, I can pull myself up by my bootstraps. It's going to be great. <laughs> We're hitting all demographics with this. We are way ahead of the curve. Excellent. Um, I guess an easier one, will we be releasing a white paper? So we'll be releasing a light paper, which mm -hmm. is a bit more of a palatable version of a white paper. So it's a bit more graphical, a bit more explaining how the gameplay elements work and so forth um, to kind of get a general idea of how everything also ties into the game and the game economy. Okay, but we're not revealing all of our secrets, which is, I believe, where this question was going. Because <laughs> just for the uninitiated, what's the difference between a light and a white paper? A white paper is traditionally very, very technical. So going into the very specific algorithms or math used to generate specific things and... Mm -hmm the average person just really does not care about those yeah though admittedly it's it's not to the extent that we're not revealing our secrets in that sense there is no real secrets in that regard i mean you know blockchain stuff is pretty much almost publicly auditable uh but uh the reality is indeed that we're trying to aim towards uh writing something that the majority of people interested in playing this game will understand right nice cool 
So, next one. Is there a possibility that the in-game currency, the pixel tokens, be listed and traded on an exchange like Binance? Woof. Okay, so um, heavy one. Uh, you have to be careful with this one, not to yeah. uh, you know reveal internal uh, activities going on and external conversations we're having. Uh, but I would say it is very likely at this point uh, that indeed uh, our our pixel token will be something that will end up being listed and traded, uh, which is you know something we're actually rather excited about. Uh, you know, again, it gives you more liberty and more more flexibility uh, with the world we've created for you. I feel like yours, do you have anything to add to this one? Because it, it feels like a very, this feels like a very technically heavy question to me. Um, well, there's there's just certain things we can't really discuss yet. So I actually think Lauren did a very good job at that answer. Yeah. Um, I just wanted to reiterate on that one. That's actually what I wanted to hear, because this is a very much a work in progress type of deal. It, so, it really is. Yeah, it was important that we touch upon this because it, it's one of the cornerstones of the game. But, you know, be patient, guys, as always. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. don't worry. You'll find out when we're ready to share more. <laughs> you, you didn't have to do a creepy magician hands when you said that. <laughs> 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 we're coming for all your money. Um, <laughs> quick, next one. If a player were to run a shop, would they have to scavenge and craft their items, or can they, eventually, run the store with goods bought from other players and pretty much recycle items? Uh, well, they can do both. So you can craft things and then sell them uh, and, and make a profit that way. Um, and at the same time, train your crafting levels, which is a nice addition, of course. Um, but you can also just scavenge things, uh, collect them either through trading with other players or PvE. Uh, and then sell it and, and upsell and, and make money that way in the game. So, yeah, you can definitely uh, do the whole trading thing. But you can do it in, multi in a multitude of ways, which is really good to hear. Yeah, yeah I yeah. mean, like like old school RuneScape, right? You had uh, Verrock and then behind the bank, there was everyone was trading there. Fond memories of playing RuneScape back in the day because, like, I knew all the prices of everything and I was constantly just upselling and making more money, uh, which I didn't use for anything, but it was just like fun to have more money in the game, right? Oh my god, you uh, are the paperclip boomer! I can't believe I it. am the paperclip guy, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Christ, okay, next one. Um, in regards to creative stuff, this is one I was really, uh, really curious about. In regards to creative stuff. Can people still contribute if they do not have talents in the visual arts, like if they're a writer, for example? Yeah, so I, I would say that generally speaking, we're very into giving our community ways to contribute and be a part of the larger universe. Um, I can't give too much away at this point, but definitely expect that in the upcoming year or so, uh, you'll already start seeing possibilities uh, for people other than you know visual artists to contribute in some way. Uh, and I definitely think actually the, the, the writer example is, is, is definitely one we're going to be delving further into. Ooh, interesting. I might have an inkling what you're talking about, and if it is what I think you're talking about, this is going to be a really exciting time once we actually reveal it. <laughs> um, we touched upon um, skills marginally last time we did this last week, uh, and this is almost a follow-up to that line of questioning. Will there be some sort of talent tree? So 
In Ember Sword, we don't have a talent tree, and the reason for that is pretty simple. In in most games, you pick, for example, like you're playing World of Warcraft, right? And you pick uh, a Frost Mage or something. Mm -hmm. Then you build your entire talent tree to be a Frost Mage, but now you're locked into being a Frost Mage. You want to be something else, you got to start over. Yeah. And that just doesn't feel particularly nice. I mean, why would it have to work that way? So Ember Sword doesn't do that. Um, instead, you unlock abilities based on weapon types. Mm -hmm. So for example, if you have a uh, two-handed sword, then you're going to unlock two-handed sword abilities, and then you can choose from, from those. Uh, if you switch to bow, then you know your, your bow skill might be at a low level, so you have to level it up, but then you unlock abilities in that as well, and you can just pick and choose. Uh, and we also incentivize people to switch weapons. So you can, for example, uh, have a two-handed sword and a bow. So you start with the bow, and then as you get closer, you switch to your two-handed sword and uh, continue fighting more more close quarters with with the two-handed weapon. Um, yeah. Will that apply to combat or other skills as well? Um, I, I think the question was primarily referred to to combat. Um, yeah. Yeah. But yeah, admittedly, obviously, uh, if there is no such one in combat, it's also not the case that, for example, uh, we we let's say we'd have a skill tree that's pushing you into a particular type of crafting. The same yeah. story no, goes no, there, no, no. right? You get only glasswork for you. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, you can do everything on every character, so you never get locked awesome. into anything. You also don't exactly. get locked into a region, so you can switch from being from Solar Wood to being Duskaron. It sounds like the uh, the Skyrim approach to to leveling things, which I really appreciate. I I feel like that's one yeah. of the best ways yeah. to approach any type of RPG. So that is really awesome to hear. Um, is there going to be a need to defend your property? Can you get it? Like, can you lose it when it was when it's taken by force? Anything among those lines? So at Amber Sword, we're firm believers in castle doctrine. So if anyone gets, you know, to within three meters of your front door, obviously you should shoot them in the face with your crossbow. But that being said, uh, no, uh, the, the... <laughs> no, 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 not no, yet, but... not yet. The scam is still going. No, the, the, the reality is actually that player-owned land is in the in the relatively safe zone of kingship territory. So uh, you won't have to deal with defending that property yeah. however there is outlaw territories with say conquerable areas and that property indeed if you're going to conquer a piece of outland well you'd better be ready to defend it because there might be some other players into that same piece of juicy land too mm -hmm. one of the benefits of owning your land as opposed to being out there uh, roughing it out with uh, with the other pvpers it's a case of having your cake and eating it too. You could purchase land and you cannot lose that uh, unless you decide to, you know, trade it. And then you can go and claim a piece of dirt and murder people on it, which <laughs> is great. Yes, exactly, exactly. Real excellent. Um, will Ember Sword pursue to become decent a decentralized game like other blockchain game titles out there, or is it more of a traditional game leveraging the advantages of blockchain technology? So... Blockchain is, is a really cool technology and you can do a lot of things with it and that's exactly why we're using it. But I would say that Ember Sword is definitely more of a traditional-ish game, um, but we're using some of the great features that we get from the blockchain to actually 
you know, amplify the the ability, the possibility that you have in a, in a traditional game. So you can you can sell your your items, you can cash out if that's what you want to do. Um, you truly own everything uh, in the game. Like all the cosmetics are, are truly yours, and you can buy them, you can sell them, you can trade them, do whatever you want with them. Um, so I, I'd say it's it's more of a traditionalist game. We bring in all the you know traditional gameplay loops of an RPG. Uh, so it's not just trading, um, but then we we bring in the the nice features of the blockchain. And it's really, yeah. I feel like it's going to be a very um, interesting way to get people into blockchain because it, it is more of a traditional game. We're building it as a game first. And in the future, it, who's to say we can expand the trading capabilities, we can introduce more things that are more, you know, economy heavy, depending on where the wind blows, it's always an option, right? Yeah, absolutely. I, I think a lot of uh, current blockchain games are very focused towards the blockchain crowd which mm -hmm. makes that they're a little bit difficult to set up, right? Like, how do you set up a wallet and how do you do this and how do you do that? Right. Um, and it, it makes a very high barrier to entry. And Embersort, we want to create as, as low barrier to entry as possible, right? It's playable in your browser. You can get directly into it. Everything's mm -hmm. very accessible. Um, so the blockchain part also has to be very accessible. So we're working very hard on, on making that as easy as possible. Yeah, I, I think also generally speaking, when you look at blockchain game versus you know traditional game, I think a lot of people are more caught up in the thought of like, uh, well, you know, uh, if it's more blockchain game, then the gameplay isn't as important, and you know, uh, it might be very simplistic in terms of graphics, and you know, not have a lot of depth and things like that, right? Whereas, mm -hmm. you know, we're kind of trying to break that mold in the sense that um, we're creating a game that has pretty much all the benefits that many of the other blockchain games do that come from blockchain, mm -hmm. but then indeed instant accessibility and having all of those, you know, deeper, more crunchy, more satisfying gaming uh, mechanics and, and, and content, etc. And of course, being something that's built by a team that is, you know, coming from that gaming background, um, yeah, will hopefully put us in a position to create an experience that is both holy video game and also fully encompassing the benefits that you know the people that are currently in the blockchain space are very excited about that is a pull quote if i have ever heard one that was mwah, masterful excellent <laughs> i think that was the last question this is this is a great way to land this this particular ship um cool well uh as always this is the part of the podcast where i scramble to think of a way to outro the whole thing <laughs> Um, and I'm just gonna keep it simple. Thank you guys for participating. Thank you, Lauren, for uh, having this extremely inspirational background where every successful person's interests are sort of aligned with the, with the, the telescope and the Star Wars and the workout equipment. You are striving to be the perfect man, and I really appreciate <laughs> it. Um, no, 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 that's yours, that's yours. I mean, you know. What about he's, me? He's, I, I have a beautiful kitchen. He's hydrating, he's flexing, he's, 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 he's cooking in the background. I mean, uh, come see, on. Beautiful. A spaceship's kitchen is, is something to aspire to, yes. I believe that, <laughs> I've seen that on the set of 2001 A Space Odyssey. Ah, big water from the boys. Uh, let us know what you thought uh, about the video podcast. This was like pretty fun to actually record because I get to like do crazy expressions and just do this a whole bunch, not at people, because I do agree. That's why I got this <laughs> job. So yeah, um, thank you once again for participating. Thank you guys for watching, and we will see you next time. Bye bye. Goodbye. See you next time, everyone. Hey you, you made it to the end. Congratulations. That must mean you like us enough to want more, right? Well, good news. We're all over the internet. 
Go to embersword.com and subscribe to our newsletter for a chance to play the game early, as well as the latest interesting tidbits on the game and the team. Join our lovely Discord community over at discord.gg slash embersword. Follow us on Twitter and Facebook at PlayEmbersword for regular updates on what we're up to. And remember the basics. Drink water, be kind to each other, and spread the word about Embersword. There's a dog in the background. <laughs> Wait, As there should so be. A dog. I, will, I will change from the start from end, of course. <laughs> we, we are real people, and this is proof. We have animals around us. We are not AI constructs in here. <laughs> <laughs> no, but... Uh, oh, my goodness. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, it, it just keeps on going. This, is, this needs to go in the bloopers and the outtakes, Fetlip. Th this is a, this but, is a bonus for all the people who are watching video. <laughs> I'm, I'm, just, I'm just glad we're not live right now. Um... <laughs> You know, once once the dog decides it's done barking, though, we can uh, we can continue. Um, but I was going to say.